0: Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. It's time for another edition of the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Walter Storhold here with David Dickens, uh, President, Wealth Advisor, KC Financial Advisors with an office in Overland Park. You can find David online at Cover Your Assets KC. Dot com. As promised, we have another mailbag edition of the Cover Your Assets KC podcast, where we're answering questions from listeners like you. And David, I know this is becoming one of your favorite kinds of episodes over the last couple of months.
1: I love these because yeah. these are the types of questions I get all the time from from people in my office. And so it's fun to get these um, through the podcast channel and to get a chance to answer them uh, during a podcast. So this ought to be a good show.
0: And we get to cover lots of topics in a relatively short period of time, which is kind of cool. Uh, So I've got four good ones for you today, David. They are from Jerry, Greg, Diane, and Andy. By the way, if you want to submit a question to be on a future show, you can email ddickens at kcfa.com. All right, we'll let Jerry kick things off this week. Jerry says, I'm 65 and recently had a heart attack. Sorry to hear that, Jerry. Uh, I'm out of work for another week, but then should be back to a normal schedule. My wife seems concerned about my future health, but I still have no plans to retire anytime soon. Can you tell her that I'll be fine and it's normal for people to work past 65?
1: (laughs) Sorry, Jerry, I cannot tell her that.
0: It's not a a financial question in there, but... uh...
1: I can't give you the, the healthcare answer that she wants. <laughs> and I, and uh, it is kind of normal for a lot of people to work past 65 if they want to. So he, here's, here's uh, what I'm thinking, Jerry. Her concern sounds like it's for your health and well-being, and that's pretty cool. My concern is, do you need to work? So want versus need is a really important distinction as to what you're going to do after 65. So... Uh, I I do know that with the vast majority of my clients, income and savings rates tend to max out in those later working years. You're an empty nester. You maybe you're paid off all the college bills you're going to pay off. Kids are out of the house and all of a sudden you're, you know, your income is higher and your expenses are lower. So maybe this is a time when either you love what you do or you know what? You were a little under saved before and now you're really packing away the savings and you really need to work. So a couple questions for you. If you had another heart attack six months from now and you could never work again, how long would your money last for the two of you? If you don't know that answer, Jerry, then you need, you need to figure that out. Ideally, you'd start figuring that out in your late 50s or early 60s, but 65 is a, is a perfectly... Okay, time to to do that. So you'd want to be able to answer that question for yourself. And then secondly, if you didn't survive the next heart attack, how long would your money last for your wife? She's going to have a couple of uphill battles for her. She's probably going to be in a higher tax rate because they tax single people at a at the same dollar amount of taxable income is at a higher rate than married filing joint and She's only going to have one Social Security payment, either yours or hers, whichever is higher. So there are a number of things that would be stacked against her if you don't survive that next heart attack. So those are a couple of things I'd encourage you to think about. If we can help you with those, we'd love to to chat through those with you. But, you know, 65, heart attack, that's pretty serious stuff. So listen to your wife, (laughs) listen to your doctor, and listen to your financial advisor.
0: It's a great point. And uh, thanks for asking the question, Jerry. At least maybe this gets the conversation started and a little bit further down the road for you and your wife and your loved ones. Um, sometimes that's the hardest part is just getting these things started and the conversation begun. So some silver lining in maybe what you're going through is getting to some resolution here on some of these other big questions that then help put things at ease for you. So great question once again. Uh, Greg has another one for you here, David, switching gears a little bit. Greg is being offered an early retirement package from his company that includes a severance package and a pension buyout. Greg wants to know, is it wise to consider it?
1: So, Greg, I would say yes. It's always important to consider something like that. Whether you take it or not can be a a financial or a lifestyle uh, decision or both. So I have clients that have taken those packages a couple of them who love their new life. Uh, one of them just retired. Another one decided to take another job. And then I have others who, looking back, they really, really liked what they did and kind of sort of wished maybe they hadn't taken that early package. But l- let me, um, there, are, there are a couple different pieces to your, to your question. One is a severance package and one is a pension. So my question on the severance is, will the, will the severance mean that you can actually retire or is it just enough to bridge you to your next job? You didn't really say how old you were. Maybe you're 64 and it's going to get you right to where Social Security and your, your, savings, your retirement savings will, will take off. But if you're 58, maybe it's going to be a one-year, let's say it's a one-year severance. Maybe it's a one-year bridge to your next job. And then regarding the pension, Greg, it's kind of an, uh, so uh, whether you do a lump sum rollover or whether you wait, usually those, you have to wait till 65 to start your pension payments. So, really, it's a question of do I want the asset? If you roll a, a pension, a lump sum pension out, you typically roll that into your IRA. And so then it becomes an asset of your family. Whereas if you just take the pension payments, it becomes a cash flow thing. And those have different benefits depending on how well you've saved for your own retirement. But if you saved really well for your own retirement, then a lot of times the pension lump sum rollover works out better to have that as an asset for your family. Uh, inflation is another, is another consideration on that. Um, the pension that you're being offered probably does not have a cost of living increase associated with it. Very few do these days. So at 3.5% inflation, let's say that you spend five grand a month in retirement. Well. At 3.5% inflation, 20 years from now, that $5,000 worth of stuff every month is going to cost you $10,000. But your pension that you're getting every month won't have gone up any. So you just want to make sure that in your retirement plan, if you're going to take the pension monthly payment, that you're good with the fact that inflation is going to eat into that over time. And then you're going to have a decision of whether you're, uh, let's, let's, so I know Greg's male, so let's say his spouse is a female, and whether, if he dies early, whether it's going to go 100% to her, in other words, the money just keeps on coming, or they might choose to have her get 50% of the money, so, which means that while he's living, they're going to get more monthly income. And I've had clients who have taken that some of that extra income and bought a life insurance policy to say, we're gonna have more money every month. And if, if Greg happens to die early, she's gonna get a lump sum tax-free payout from a life insurance policy. So Greg, there, there are a number of different things that you'd wanna look at there. It's probably somewhat time sensitive. Hopefully you've already got a plan in place and then you'll know how this severance package fits into the plan you already have. If you don't have a plan, that's the place to start. You can put that together reasonably quickly and then figure out how the early retirement package fits into your plan.
0: Lots to consider there. And uh, wow, I didn't think we'd have that much to unpack from Greg's question. But you took us there, David, and you're really good at peeling back all the little layers to see where we need to explore and investigate. So, Greg, is it wise for you to consider it? Yeah, absolutely. Consider it. But uh, do a little further digging and conversation with David to find out if you should do it. But uh, definitely wise to consider such things. Absolutely. If you want to get in touch with David directly and set up a time to visit uh, Greg or Jerry or anybody else who's in a similar financial position trying to make some big choices and decisions and get ready for retirement and those kinds of things, you can always reach out at 913-317-1414, 913-317-1414, or go online to coveryourassetskc.com. Another question here. This one, David, comes to us from Diane. Diane says, I'm 55, and I'm worried about the stability of Social Security. She's not alone there. Uh, (laughs) I just don't know if it'll be around for the rest of my lifetime. What do you think?
1: So, Diane, that's a question being kicked around a whole lot, including in Washington, D.C. I'm personally convinced that it will be around, but I'll bet that Congress—well, first of all, I think Congress is— very highly unlikely to eliminate it or replace it with something else. But we are racking up some pretty serious national debt. So I think Congress is likely to make certain changes. The last time there were any real changes made to Social Security was back, um, there was a a commission put together by Ronald Reagan back in 1980. And the changes were agreed to, and Congress passed them in 1983. Uh, And so those are things that most of us have, we just thought they were there from 1935 when the whole thing was created, but there were some pretty big changes that were meant to shore up the financial stability of the social security uh, program. My guess is that at some point in the next 10 years, because not, or very little happens in Washington until it becomes a crisis and it's not quite a crisis yet, but I think there'll be some changes that come along. I'll bet that the full retirement age, which right now is 67 for most people listening to this. I'll bet that goes up, maybe as high as 70 years old. I'll bet that more of your Social Security will be taxable in the future than it is today. Kind of with a broad brush, my guess is that if you're currently retired, there's really not gonna be much of an impact on you for the rest of your life. If you're over 60, there's probably gonna be a pretty low impact from Social Security changes on what you've been expecting all these years. If you're under 40, (laughs) I'll bet you have some fairly big changes coming down the pipe that will hit you regarding your plans and expectations for Social Security. And then you've got that group in their 50s that are like you, Diane, that are, you know, reasonably close to being able to see retirement from where you are. And I think that's where the bigger changes, the the more modest changes will probably occur, but they may have a bigger impact on you because you don't have as much time to plan for them. So good luck in your planning. I'm convinced it'll be around, but there'll be some changes.
0: Great question, Diane. Yeah, and a lot of people feel that way. You can certainly uh, try and figure out those, uh, those different moving pieces and elements. Uh, let's get to one last question here, David. This one comes to us from Andy. Andy says, how much of my portfolio is it okay to have invested in just one stock? I have about $2 million, but almost half of it is invested in one company. <laughs>
1: Well, Andy, first of all, congratulations. $2 million is a nice portfolio. Half of it in one company. That is kind of a bunch. So in my industry, the the most common advice you'll get is you really shouldn't have more than 6% of your portfolio in any one company. So you've got a million bucks in one company. 6% would be more like $180,000. So you're significantly over invested in that one company. So why would conventional wisdom be that you would have a lot less in one company? Well, a couple of reasons. Uh, What I'm gonna call idiosyncratic risk versus market risk. So each different company that has stock outstanding has, has risks that are idiosyncrasies of that company. In other words, they're not necessarily broadly based, they're related specifically to that company as opposed to just investing in the S&P 500, well, you're gonna have market risk, but you're widely diversified across a lot of companies. So you're gonna eliminate most of that idiosyncratic risk. Um, That allows you to become more diversified. You become more of an investor. And whether you think of yourself this way or not, Andy, you're kind of a speculator because you've got a significant amount of your net worth invested in one company. So I did just a little research before I, before I uh, got on this podcast, and I, I, I hopefully these numbers are going to be interesting to you, Andy, and the rest of our listeners. If you had that million dollars invested in, I, I'm going to give you five or six different stocks that you had invested in over the last five years and see dramatically different outcomes. So if you just put that million bucks five years ago in the S&P 500, the million would be worth a million nine right now. million... 1.97 million. If you'd put it in Microsoft, you'd have four point, almost $4.5 million. That would have been a good place to have it. If you'd put it in General Electric, they make windmills, they make jet engines, they make a lot of stuff that we need. Your million bucks would be worth $440,000 right now. Caterpillar, a company not dissimilar to GE, big industrial company. Your million would be worth almost 3.1 million. You're living in Kansas City, Andy, I'll bet, and AMC Theaters is right here in Kansas City. And you went into a theater five years ago and you said, man, these guys have it figured out. I love coming to an AMC Theater. If you'd thrown that million bucks into AMC Theaters, that million would be worth 384,000 right now. Let's say that you love to travel and you love Southwest Airlines you put that million into Southwest airlines it'd be five years ago it'd be worth a million for today but let's say that you love American Airlines and you put it into that your million would be worth 623,000 and then just to kind of bring it home to a podcast we did back in February about GameStop let's say you're a gamer and five years ago you said you know what this GameStop that could be the next big thing well last July your million would have been worth 129,000. Today, <laughs> it would be worth 5.9 million. So, there are, that's the definition of idiosyncratic risk right there is GameStop. Uh, but, but AMC Theaters has done the same thing. Who would have thought that a pandemic would have knocked that? Royal Caribbean Cruises, uh, all kinds of things got totally whacked off their axis because of something that came out of the middle of nowhere and hit him really hard. So, I think the bottom line, Andy, is this. I would strongly encourage you to diversify away from that half of the portfolio invested in one company. Diversification increases your probability of success and it decreases the probability of you hitting a home run. It also decreases the probability of you striking out. And, you know, sports analogies, I guess, (laughs) They're the easy ones to go to. (laughs) But everybody's pretty excited when you hit a home run, but you can be really bummed out when you're standing at the plate and there's already two outs and and you strike out. So what you don't want to do is strike out with your financial plan. And if you hit a bunch of singles and doubles, you are going to be really happy by the time you get to retirement. You strike out a bunch, you're very likely to end up with way less money. Than you want to have, and your goals will not be accomplished. So I'd encourage you to diversify that money. If you hit a home run with the 6% that you keep in that stock, celebrate it, do something cool. But I wouldn't have nearly that many chips riding on the future of one particular company.
0: Yeah. It's so, uh, Unless you really like riding a roller coaster, my goodness, <laughs> um, of both emotions and, uh, and dollars and figures. So um, that, that's, a, that's a literal and figurative uh, roller coaster that you'd ride in a situation like that, that's for sure. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I try to pick out companies there for, that, for those little examples that five years ago you'd have said, well, that's a good company. That's a good industry. Sure. Why wouldn't that work out well? I feel comfortable with that. But then hindsight tells you, oh, I get it. And so, who knows what the world's going to look like five years from now? But a little diversification will go a long way with your investment portfolio.
0: That's a great point, David. And these were all great questions today. If you'd like to submit a question to be featured on a future show, you can do that by emailing ddickens at kcfa.com. Now, if you don't want your question featured on the show, you just want to have a one on one conversation with David and the team at KC Financial Advisors, you can do that as well. The number to call to get in touch is 913. 913- 317-1414, that's 913-317-1414, or of course you can go online to cover your assets kc.com, and get in touch through the website and uh, start the process of getting your own complete planning review, discussing questions just like this, like everyday people have about retirement finances and all the different elements involved in the process. It all starts with either a simple phone call or reaching out online to begin the conversation. So don't hesitate if you've got any questions at all for David and the team. They're certainly happy to help. And so, David, uh, we'll be talking again next week. Looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, I'm sure we'll cook up some super interesting topic uh, and look forward to that next round of mailbags uh, in the next couple of weeks as well.
0: You got it. Absolutely. And uh, new episodes every week. So come back and join us again right here on the Cover Your Assets Casey Podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM. A registered investment advisor, BCM and KC Financial Advisors are independent of each other.